Welcome to the podcast of the Urban Mystic. This is season two where we meet with fellow deconstructors, fellow journeymen and journeywomen to hear the story of their first experience of God calling to ministry, deconstruction and present journey. Again, I think it might have been Dion who was talking about, if I'm correct here, the, the lack of spirituality in theological education, even though he, he found a, a real ally at some point during his, his theological formation from a spirituality perspective. And my experience was very much the same. In fact, both my formal studies that I did for a while in theology and this process, I had to go once a month on a Saturday for a whole Saturday to join a bunch of hopefuls who wanted to get into the priesthood. And, and those, the majority of those Saturdays had a lot more to do with administrative function. You know, can you actually do the sort of organizing people work, essentially, of running a small to medium business, preaching, you know, some finances. And every now and then, in the 18 months that I was part of that process, every now and then I was surprised to find something along the lines of spirituality. But what was so interesting was that, you know, as I was thinking now about what I would share about that, I realized that I would give a rather unfair reflection on that time because I wanted to say there was absolutely no sessions on any spirituality of any kind. But that's not entirely true. There were some, but they were just couched in, you know, nine out of the 11 Saturdays in the year or 10 would be how do you run an organization? And maybe one or two of those Saturdays would be on your spirituality. And so very little focus on what does it mean to actually be the person who is connected with God and to then bring that as an expression of your own relationship into relationship with others. And that that is essentially, you know, that would be a perhaps a, an oversimplified way of me understanding sort of spiritual community. But it was hidden in amongst all the other things of, okay, well, I guess I need to learn finances and admin and answering all your emails seemed to be a lot more important than praying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and running an efficient council meeting and knowing how to pick the right people to be your church leadership structure and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and even, even when it came down to what theological studies you were doing and how to read the Bible and those sorts of things that you'd think might lend themselves more to spirituality, there was a dryness to it. And I was certain, far more in reflecting back in later years than in that time, but it was kind of there, that this is not really what I wanted to sign up for. They weren't really preparing me to go and live a life, a life deeply intertwined with God's and have things flow out of that. That was potentially a happy occurrence if it happened, <laughs> although it didn't, seem to be, it didn't seem to be necessary to go and do this thing. And I saw that with other people as well. And I've seen it, you know, since in, in specifically working with church leaders, that so much of the emphasis is on running the organization and very little is on actually being guided, mentored, prepared, you know, all that kind of language around your actual relationship with God and that it's a real dynamic thing. In some ways, it's kind of, you know, spoken of in hushed tones in the corner as if it's a little embarrassing that this thing shows up every now and then. Um, and if we could just get on and you know administrate well and plan the finance as well, et cetera, et cetera, then then the rest of the rest of everything would just fall into place quite nicely. My study period, because I, I I had the the privilege to study three years full time and do a full 
diploma in, in theology, one of the subjects that we had was actually spirituality. It was a little bit different for me because as a subject, we were introduced to to the to the you know Richard Foster and you know Dallas Willard and all of those good people who were people that started giving post 1950s Christianity a language around spirituality and formative spirituality and spiritual disciplines. And so I was introduced to that right off the bat as part of my studies. But I felt that there was perhaps a bit of a discrepancy between someone able to have an inner dialogue with themselves and recognize that there's, a, there's personal growth. So spirituality, I understood in that context to be about character formation and development. Uh, so it's, it's personal development and it's character development over time. And that is accomplished through a whole bunch of practices or disciplines that are, that are quite helpful for that. But I always felt that there was quite a discrepancy between that and the mystical engagement with God. So, so if I think of prayer as, as you take time aside to, you know, for a lot of people, it, it works out like this. You take time aside, you, you read the scriptures or you reflect on something and you spend a time in silence and prayer, yeah. but you're not expecting there to be a clear sense of presence and a dialogue. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's one way. And so, so, it's, it's, so it's, it's formative in the sense of I give time spirituality and creativity become quite synonymous mm. with each other. I'm just being creative about human behavior and human relationships and the problems that, that mm. need to be solved <laughs> and the kinds of maturity that needs to happen. So, so back in the day, although it was a subject and we were expected a journal for the subject and hand it in and be evaluated on that, that was, that was more a test to see whether mm. you could self-reflect. I, I didn't feel that it stepped be, that spirituality stepped beyond that box of character mm. formation to the box of what is the relational engagement like and how, how is that growing and what can you mm. expect that to be? And so, so in my mind, there was a separation between that. And I always felt quite frustrated where mystical direct immediate engagement had been a vital part of my life and what got me there. It was very much a, a strong part of, of what I wanted and I assumed would be normative. But I felt that I, I felt that I discovered that it mm. wasn't. And that that in many situations there's the notion of, but God speaks in all these roundabout ways. Don't make too much about mm. this immediacy mm. thing. <laughs> and and I feel like I've stayed in that conversation for over 20 years with people. That that that's the conversation around spirituality mm. that I have with them. That they go, you're making too much of this immediacy thing. We don't necessarily need it. We don't necessarily want it. We've got all these other resources. So let's just stick with them. Of course, one of those resources is the institution of the church and just pitching mm -hmm. up and preach to. Yeah. Come participate in worship, be involved in the life of the community, and be here for the sermon. And that is, that is what you need. The church is necessary, and what is on offer here is sufficient. And for me, I didn't feel that church was necessary mm -hmm. because I, I didn't. And I didn't feel that, that what is being offered is sufficient because it actually isn't. It's anemic. It, it doesn't actually offer us what we need in terms of engagement with God. Mm. That's the best I've ever understood you bef uh, in terms of this issue because, you know, you've spoken of it before and I've sort of mm. packed it at the back of my head to chew through and go, what is the distinction between the immediate presence of God and sort of character formation? And, you know, so how are you rating that? And I think that's the best I've, I've understood you so far in terms of how you talk about that. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm making sense, starting to make sense. I think sense. there's a lot less to do with that and just, you know, as I've sort of chewed through this. So let me give it back to you and, and you can tell me if, if I'm onto something here. So I think 
I resonate very much with that the spirituality of the church's organization, I would put it this way, is, is often there's this push for, you know, will, will people, perhaps at its worst, you know, people who belong to our organization are good people, so you need to become good people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at its best is this kind of, well, people that are directly engaging with spiritual disciplines, the traditions of the church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, become good people. God kind of makes them mm. better people as they engage. But the, yeah. the point of engagement that you're highlighting is that, in fact, I can, in an internal cycle with myself, I can read the Bible, I can spend time in solitude, I can pray, I can fast, I can, you know, I'm reading through Foster's disciplines at the moment myself. Mm. So I'm thinking, you know, I can study. I can meditate, I can live simply, you know, I can go through all of those sorts of things. But at some level, I'm only invoking my own creativity. And essentially, I'm speaking with myself as I self-reform my character. But the immediacy of God, in some ways, to use the Christian language, is more the idea of kind of the fruit, the spirit and its fruit, in that you don't focus on the fruit in creating the fruit. But the point is that any connection mm. with the immediacy of the spirit, the immediacy of God, the relational presence of God will have the character knock on, but that that's not the point. And so mm. it's not that I'm hearing you, I think for mm. the first time, clearly arguing against character necessarily, but what you're actually digging at is behind that and going, the presence of God is primary, as we've been saying time and time again. And kind of in a way, whatever follows almost doesn't matter. Isn't it? I think it's Augustine. It's just love God and do whatever you want. In some ways, kind of like that idea. Yes, very much so. I think I think it becomes it becomes difficult because because the Christian needs the, the the Christian language is is around is around whether you hit the radar enough. And I I don't feel like there's enough trajectory language in there, right? So if you start off on the rougher side of life than me, mm-hmm. I'm never going to get there. <laughs> I'm never going to be on that radar. Because because there's always a rough edge, or if you dig back in my past, there's going to be something that's going to quote unquote disqualify me, right? So so, so in that sense, so in, in in that sense, we we've got an idea of of what the person uh, of what the mold looks like that we want for 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 ministry, and there's there's a number of people that just are never going to get there. And I, I feel like I'm I'm one of them. And 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 I can pretend enough, but I, mm. but for me, I'm living in translation mm. a lot of the time. <laughs> I'm living in translation. I know how to fit in. I know how to be polite, and and it, it slips through every once mm. in a while, and mm. then I get gently ushered out. <laughs> and if I if I try it for too long, at some point, I just have to mm. say the wrong mm. thing because mm. it's going to happen, right? <laughs> and so so there's always that whole thing of like you don't you don't really you don't really fit here, but. But I know that the whole thing of of being healed and transformed in relationship mm. is about those little steps, and it's it's not about where you where you're at per se. It's about the trajectory that you've been on and the trajectory that you're heading. And, and I feel like 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 often when it comes to spirituality, we're looking for people that are spiritual. We're looking for people that really fit mm. the mold of what we're looking for. So I think often we're not looking for people that are genuinely journeying in relationship to God and God is trying to motivate them to contribute something. We're looking for people who fit the mold that are going to plug into yeah. church and keep the machinery going. It's backwards. And I think it comes down to that. But when it comes to the spirituality thing, I feel like, like, like Christianity is classically against the language of mysticism because it's against the language of the mystery religions and Gnosticism and 
all that kind of stuff. So there's mm. a lot of no-nos, right? <laughs> and those no-nos come before mm. the, what is this really? So people are raised within Christian environments and they, they can fit in already because they're molded that way. And if you aren't, you're probably never really going to fit in enough for them to be happy. And then we add this language of, of spirituality and spiritual disciplines on, which, which we argue is so primary, but there's nothing in our doing of church mm. that's generally about them, right? <laughs> so your spirituality, generally speaking, has got nothing mm. to do mm. with this character formation. It's, it's you arrive for a sermon, someone's going to read the Bible, the Word of God to you, and this is somehow supposed to transform you, especially when people preach. And if you read it and if mm. you just behaved according to it, you, you're right. And I feel like in many ways, I feel like spirituality is reduced to that. So it's character formation towards Christ-likeness. And so as long as you're behaving, God is at work in you because, because mm. the fruit mm. is seen in your behavior. The fruit isn't actually mm. seen in the deep inner change within you. And hence the problem that churches have with, uh, with homosexuality, for instance, mm. where someone goes, it's not a choice. Mm. Um, and we'll, we'll do an episode on that in future, so we, we'll get around to that. But it, it very quickly becomes in these, in these environments where people are going, but we, we can't support mm. sin and homosexuality, sin right, and these people are continuing to sin, so, so they, must, they must be out, irrespective of the fact that they can, they can prophesy, mm. the hands and the sick, the sick are healed, you know. Um, they know God, they love people, they contribute wonderfully to their lives, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It becomes, no, mm. no, you, you can't be because of this one thing that we place in, mm. in view and it becomes our blocker. And I feel like it's, it, that, that spirituality, somehow this machinery of church is supposed to cleanly, clean people up, including homosexuals and people like myself on the right side of life. And if it doesn't, well, then clearly it's not working. And so in, in that sense, I, I feel like one could almost go, it's character formation towards Christ-likeness in this environment because that's mm. the creative inspiration that we're looking for. But if we substituted Father Christmas for Jesus and went for character formation towards Father Christmas, you can be accomplishing the same thing using those same spiritual mm. tools and discipline. If you substituted Buddha for, for Jesus, you could have character mm. formation towards Buddhahood. And that is the thing. And you can accomplish it through the similar practices. And I feel that that in some ways, when it comes to this box of spirituality and spiritual formation, mm. that that's, that's actually what we're left with. We're left with the human side of human transformation, mm. as you say, in dialogue with yourself and in self-reflection and in taking time out to go, let's just be a better person. And if I, make, if I give my energy to that, I am going to become a better person. If I want to be a better doctor, if I want to be a better um, lawyer, if I want to be a better salesperson, et cetera, et cetera, I can put work into self-development to mm. train myself to become better at what I do. And I can do the same for my relating and I can do the same for the kind of spirituality mm. that I need to fit into religion. And I feel like that's where spirituality is at. And, and yeah, you know, I, I don't think that there's enough discussion around difference mm. between spirituality and mysticism. And mysticism specifically as mystical engagement with a self-revealing other, with, with God as, as someone who becomes present to speak and act, and the, the pursuit thereof, mm. the engagement thereof, the ups and downs thereof, the falling in love, out of love. When I think spirituality, I, I think of something mm. that's quite anemic in that sense. What I, what I see naturally, what that lends to, is I think in that that is a, is a good opposite in one way and a good depiction of kind of what we're talking about is what people are squeezed into in the career. As soon as we talk about in this episode, the career of ministry, 
the preparation thereof and then the continuation of that. So it's not just the you know the genesis of the ministry journey, it's the continuation of that, and then it's what comes before as they're prepared for that. It's very much opposite what you're describing in terms of and again, you know, the exception that proves the rule. So if, if that's not you, that's fine. But there are lots of people that, that Tim and I have come across, if you're listening to this, as someone saying, no, 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 that's not me. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of people that we've come across that are feeling that of, but I wasn't actually taught how to live out what it means to be in a relationship with this presence and how to focus on that as primary. I was given the tools and pointed in the direction to go and run this organization and I am now becoming anemic by association. And I think that's, as I hear you describe that, I come across that in myself. I have come across that in myself. I continue to at times. And I come across it in many other people who are also feeling this. And, and I'd add to that, sorry to interject, I'd, I'd add to that, that that the renewal movements and the the, the classic, you know, like the, the Pentecostals and the Charismatics and the, you know, fourth way of renewal movements and that, they see themselves as being different, but I've mm-hmm. seen exactly the same thing happen with people, where despite the language of having ministry time, that, that they haven't progressed from the notion of an encounter, transactional-based encounter with God within a narrow window towards any real genuine intimacy with God. And I speak to many people that feel that there is that, the, that, is mm-hmm. that lack for them even within sure. real movements, like the one that I, I come out of. You know, and and they they haven't had the opportunity to progress for that. And when trying to ask for that, the answer is we don't mm. chase experience, <laughs> we don't chase phenomenon, and we don't major on that. So, yes, a book. Go back and read the book if you really want mm. more. There's these disciplines, and we can help you practice these disciplines. But that's that's for the few. It's not for mm. the mass. It's mm. not no, 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 in general. And I, I was just going to finish by saying that I, I had to I had to help somebody out the other day who was having an anemic attack, and they were they were really battling. And and part of what I picked up in this person was they were they didn't actually know what was going on. They knew they weren't okay. They felt weak. They weren't themselves. They weren't happy. Mm-hmm. They knew they needed help, but in that moment they couldn't actually explain what was happening to them. And I think I, I see this within myself, and I do see it with, mm. within people who are within the career of ministry, often are unable almost to put their finger on. They mm. just, you know, they feel gray, <laughs> they feel pale, they feel sapped of energy, they feel yeah. uncertain, they feel frustrated. There are all these sorts of things bubbling, but the, the organization, this institution almost leers over their shoulder going, you're fine this is what happens. Sometimes it's hard working for God, you know, it's, it's mm. look at the sacrifice, you know, treasure stored up in heaven, mm. all this other kind of stuff. And I don't want to suggest that this is everybody's experience, but I come across it often enough to know that it's there, that people are feeling anemic. And I think that's a great word. They are just feeling less of themselves, lethargic. They're missing the point. And there is this question, I think that eventually pops up consciously in their mind as they deconstruct is this really what I was signing up for? Because as I track back to those, you know, either the beginning time or a couple of moments in the beginning or, you know, the thrill of learning to study and all those sorts of things. And, and often people will tell me about a, an experience of God, some sort of encounter. And they'll go, you know, I've, I've kind of, I just mm-hmm. sold some of this for 30 pieces of silver, <laughs> but the silver's running out. 
you know, and it's not actually as sustaining as I thought it might be. And I'm starting to wonder, what have I done? I would want to encourage people who, who hear this. And if you've listened to Dion and Christopher's story uh, and you're moved by that, that it's, it's really important to rattle the cage or rattle the edges of your box, start to peer over the edge, climb out, have a walk around. And I know it can be scary and it can be really intimidating, especially if you've spent a long time there. You know, a prison can be quite comfortable. Is that fear of freedom that prisoners get. But it's, it's, it's worth it because perhaps, you know, in some ways I dodged the ministry kind of career bullet and in other ways I came back to explore it again in my current season and I'm still battling with what does this look like? What does it mean? But there are other ways to slice this. Mm. And so to have dramatic experiences of God or to feel called closer to God doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and work in a church. Or if you're already working in a church, it's good and it's okay to ask those questions of this doesn't feel right. And it's good to reject some of those easy answers that come of, oh, well, that's just the way it is. And you've got to pick up your cross and follow Jesus and, you know, the Christian circles, all that other kind of stuff that people will throw at you as a platitude. I think you need to listen to something that's speaking far deeper down in you than just the surface level of, ah, you'll get over this and really interrogate, will I? And is there something else that I should be looking at? There's a recognition that this this narrow box of professional ministry is is not enabling those that are in it, you know, exceptions aside. But and so it's it's perhaps more for the for the majority. It's not enabling people to have that vibrant spiritual life or mystical life that they want per se. And the doing of church is not enabling people to have that mm-hmm. for themselves either. But it is the boxes that we're comfortable with. If this is what the narrow job is, and if this is the way that we're preparing people for it, how do we lend scope to that? And and I liked mm. a lot of what Christopher was bringing along those lines and what he is working in along those lines, recognizing that the box of ministry is small and it doesn't necessarily help people that are called. Yes, there are people mm. that are called to do that specific work. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are. I don't meet many of them. <laughs> and, and a lot of people that want to do those work, I just keep wanting to, to, um, uh, to, kick, <laughs> to kick somehow because I don't think that they're called to it. They're, they're, just, they're just exploiting people and they've got a good business. But that's a different story, right? So those, those aside... You know, there's, there is the need to develop the scope of this thing, of what it means to be called to a life of professional ministry and service. It's a tough conversation to have because it does involve two things. It involves people on one hand who are in churches going, this is the box that we want because we, we want to go to church. And so that's what we're supporting this institution for. And the thing of going, of almost recognizing, okay, that is a box and there is, there is legitimacy in that. But not everyone that's called is called to do this. So, so how do we go about legitimating these other things? How do we go about legitimating and supporting people mm-hmm. that aren't called to this narrow particular window or box? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I just I like the idea of it's almost Einsteinian <laughs> in the idea of just be curious and let's explore other solutions, other options that we're not tied to this one box, which is either continually held on to and you know created by the institution of this is how we function and this is what we are and then you know or supported by you know it's it's base and let me not say base constituents that sounds terrible 
but it's but the people that that make up those communities, as you say, saying, no, we just want to go to church. So just give us somebody who package a 20-minute feel-good talk every now and then, throw in a bit of challenge, give us a couple of songs, have a good sing song, you know, do a couple of other things that maybe some other people don't do, whatever, some ritual, whatever, and then have a cup of coffee and go home. We need to get curious and we need to explore beyond this. And I think it's going to take very brave people to do that exploring from within the institution and without, because I think there needs to be this sort of shaking of things from within, because there, there are people that I think are stuck there. You know, and it's partly why I'm enjoying this, this work with you in this podcast is hoping to just cast a, a flash of a torch into the darkness and go, you don't have to stay in there. <laughs> there Maybe other options. It might be mind-numbingly terrifying to come out and explore things. But let's go and get curious. Let's ask some further questions. And let's really be authentic um, about the answers that we're seeking for. You know, let's, let's call it what it is. Let's be very clear. Let's not call it too quickly, but let's not leave it for another thousand years to limp along as something that is potentially not life-giving. Or, you know, one of the other options, leave that and, and start, you know, as you often talk about, something that will run in parallel, something different with some different flavors, and let's reimagine what it is like for, let's take the quintessential young person, a 19, 20, 21, let's say, year old person who's going, what will I do with my life? I have these experiences. I don't know what to do with them. I have this sense of urgency towards doing something really that matters and is important with my life. And is not just, I don't want to say not just running a business and look down on other people's experiences, but if, if I just prioritize what we're talking about right now, it's, it's important in that frame. Yeah. That's what they see. That's what they want to do with their lives. Let's provide some fertile ground in which to dig around and go, okay, what can we plant? And maybe it'll grow into something different than just the plain old apple trees we've had. Maybe there's something different. Maybe there's a hybrid. We've got to get curious and start asking those questions. As part of your journey, you, you deconstructed that, that calling to ministry <laughs> yes. for you, but arguably you're still in professional ministry. So what does that look like for you? How have, how have you deconstructed that? <laughs> That's what's so damn confusing is I, is I feel that I've both deconstructed and haven't at the same time. And so it depends on who I talk to. When people say to me, what do you do? I'll switch between the language of social entrepreneur and missionary. And that's given me a great uh, a great a great amount of stuff to think through is in terms of what do I call myself? Because it was going to be easy at some point. I was going to be a priest. And even if people didn't like it, at least they'd kind of know where I fit. And in some ways, because of that, I would know where I fit. And so this, this journey that I've been on as I've deconstructed away from kind of the formal church has been, has been a wide variety of weird and wonderful and strange and painful. You know, I've had people say to me, from within even, you know, the church community that I was trying to belong to, or you're just trying to start another church, like you're trying to plant out of us without our permission and going, no, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the only way you can understand what I'm trying to do. Firstly, no, and secondly, did I need your permission? But yes, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's not even get into point two. Let's not go there. <laughs> it's, it's that, it's, it's looking for a way in which to be economically productive, because that's a part of this for me. You know, so if, if somebody goes into a career in full-time ministry, it's some, some part of that is being economically productive, right? 
not just for themselves. They want to earn a salary. They want to build a career. They want to go somewhere. Yeah. And they want, I imagine, also to be part of the economic machine. And so, you know, they're making money and spending it. And we, you know, so the economy ticks around. There's something in terms of the personal sense of wanting to achieve something um, mm. that I think anybody who strives to do big things with their life in whatever sphere they go into, business or charity or religion or whatever it might be, you know, they want to do something with their lives. So there's all those sorts of questions that I'm answering or trying to answer and go, how is it possible to do something that I don't feel like exists yet? Because in some way, I'm trying to be anti-capitalist. So that's a big part of my mm. push. It's part of my trying to deconstruct just the way in which we live our financial lives and go, there's something very wrong with this. And I feel as though I can ask those questions because I'm not running a business and doing transactional stuff. But people come to me in a transactional way and they say, okay, well, if I come and do an hour's worth of therapy with you or a conversation on spirituality or you come and do a workshop or some staff training or whatever, what will it cost? And I go, well, it doesn't cost anything. That it's not doesn't work like that. Yeah, well, I'm trying to explore whether it could work like mm. that, whether there are ways of us relating to each other in a financial way that is also can be, you know, more deeply relational, etc. And so I'm trying to explore all of these ways, while at the same time, in some ways I can I can see that I'm unwilling to let go of a need to be part of some kind of church community, let's call it that, or just a community of sorts. And so trying to still can continue my deconstruction around how necessary are mm. these you know these geographical spaces where we meet i'm trying to deconstruct some of my own my mystical experiences as they've been wrapped up in what i've done to to survive and try to add meaning to my life and, and other people's lives and so it's still very much something in process that hopefully in 20 years I'll be able to give far more succinct answers to <laughs> some far more deeply reflected on thoughts. But it's, I, I think probably what I, I would think of as my greatest contribution at the moment is that everything is so deeply intertwined with the history that the deconstruction has to go that deep. I have to sort through a myriad of different colored strands here and slowly tease out and sometimes I think I've got some strands teased out and I realize that actually they're actually just braided in with other things and there's some further work that needs to be done. And so, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm trying to live outside of the church institution while in some ways I, I'm a bit of a hanger-on and a bit of a limpet in some ways because a large part of my support from a financial perspective comes from people within the institution and some of it comes from without. And so I'm, I'm sort of straddling two worlds. I'm kind of inside pissing out and outside pissing in at the same time, if I can describe it that way, and wondering whether I'm going to have to choose or whether there's going to be a third option or what is going to kind of emerge as time goes by. And then there's always, for me in the back of my mind, this question of the longevity of these kinds of experiments of, of season in life and going... I sincerely doubt I would give up and just go, okay, this is not working. I'll just go and become a pastor somewhere. But I do sometimes wonder the longevity for these kinds of seasons because this kind of deconstruction is not, uh, it's not a walk in the park. It's not easy. It's, it, it takes quite a toll. And so there is always that, uh, I think there is, if I'm authentic, there's, if I'm genuine, there's that question at the back that just goes cheaper. So it would be easier just to give all this up and just go back and stop clowning around on the outside and try to find something new. But that's at war with the other voice that says, don't, you can't, it's, it's lifeless. So that's a terrible answer to a very good question. There you go.
I've definitely in the space of terrible answers to good questions. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. The, the answer doesn't always have to have a one-to-one match. <laughs> mm. I've deconstructed several times. So, so I, I was going through a phenomenal deconstruction when I first started studying because I was barely getting into it when church didn't work for me. And I saw it just not working for people. And then got into into ministry for a season <laughs> with with one boss and then the next boss that ousted me, <laughs> which led to a very different deconstruction. And and that put me in the space where there was a missions organization that was trying to recruit me. And I remember having a chat with a person that was uh, running whichever the office was in, in, in Cape Town. And she was saying, what you do is you go and you get a whole bunch of your friends who really mm. like who who really like you and want to support you to to fund you. So you set your salary, you mm. raise your funds, that kind of stuff. The money comes to us as an organization, we pay you a salary <laughs> from it. And then you do this work for us. And I was like, well, that's daft. <laughs> Why would I raise money to do all to do the ministry stuff and and come and work for you <laughs> when I could just do that and then do what I felt God was calling me to? <laughs> and so and so and so I did that instead. <laughs> And one of the, the guests that uh, you mm. as the listeners will hear uh, is, uh, is Johnny Lystam. And back in those days, um, the, the one church that I was in died and the young adults just went across and started another church together with him. And I, I ended up being in limbo and very sure that ministry wasn't really my thing and mm. going to be my, my thing. And God was very clear on, on basically going. I, I remember I was waitering at the time and I was, I was mm. depressed and I was just, like, what am I doing? I'm so confused about what happened because sure. I felt like I was really going somewhere and that I just had the rug pulled out from under me. And I, I genuinely just don't understand what happened. I mean, between the two, Richard helped <laughs> me prep the business plan for the new guy that was taking over. <laughs> you know, so, so I had this like joint I'm business shafted. plan together with him and, and just like, just got, sure. I don't know, thrown in front of the bus, rug swept out under me, shafted, like whatever. There's just so many different ways. And so, so I was in this place where, where I was confused oh. and, and I went to God with this confusion going, hey, you called me, right? You, mm-hmm. said, you said I've got to go about doing this stuff. What the hell am I supposed to do? What happened? And, and God sure. is wonderful in often not answering these questions. God didn't go into any of that. <laughs> oh. in, in retrospect, it made sense, but, but very much went, yes, the next thing for you. Yes, there's a whole bunch of people that are leaving religion and they're genuinely searching for me and um, I want to meet them, mm. and um, and I'm going to put you to use, like working for me doing that. And so I ended up in this in this in this fantastic opportunity where mm. I was part funded by mm. two churches and a collection of individuals, so microfunded really as a, as an urban missionary, where I could develop a project that really helped people. <laughs> connect with and experience God, and then would bring them into church. <laughs> mm. And so back then, I thought that that was the win for me, that mm. I could do that. until, And it went for me wonderfully until it didn't. <laughs> uh, and I can't remember which of our guests used that as a phrase, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking it, I'm owning it. <laughs> I have officially stolen this phrase. It worked fantastically for me until it didn't. And the reason why it didn't work was because although people were genuinely really experiencing God, mm they come into church and discover that church is not really about experiencing God. And that again, put me in this box of, of the language of going, I don't know, I don't know how to make sense of this and needing to sink my teeth into it because people were saying the same thing as people that came into vineyard churches. And they were saying the same thing as people that went to other traditional churches and other Pentecostal and even charismatic churches. 
And so theoretically, mm. you're right, you know, the, the normal thing, if you're in this old mm. vein, you know, as mm. you're not traditional, traditional churches are dead and they don't really experience God. Cool. Box solved. We can understand that charismatics <clears throat> and, and, and Pentecostals, I mean, they're going to push people over half of its performance mm. and hype. Yeah, I can kind of understand that the weird thing of like trying to make everyone speak in <laughs> tongues and not accepting a spirituality is somehow broader than that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I can write that off. But then there's a the difficult box of the, of, of the vineyard, which was, you know, back then, vibrant, real movement. People mm-hmm. genuinely are experiencing God and then going, but it's not about that and, and needing to deconstruct and wrestle with that. And so I, I felt like I was in this, in this range and having this range of conversations and trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and basically acknowledging for myself that it didn't work and so going through a second deconstruction well, a second or third deconstruction at that point for me around, I cannot keep being successful at mm. helping people experience God only to see them deconvert a second time. And for me, the question then was going, I don't know how to do this church thing. And this church thing just doesn't want to change, no matter what language that I use, no matter how I approach it. You know, um, you know it's, yeah. So, so there's, there's a, lot of, there's a lot, of, lot of baggage there as well. But the baggage there mm. is is around mm. being successful and then failing by being successful. I feel, um, and so that's that's led me to another deconstruction around this and and f- being in the fortunate position again to being um, being mm. microfunded again by a, a very small group of people that I'm tremendously grateful to, who 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 are giving me the opportunity to to basically go no Tim you don't have to plant a church and it was a massive thing. So so my first year of really getting back into this, I felt all this pressure and this way to have to plant a church and just going, I can't do it, <laughs> right? I, I can't do that. That plus all the people that I'm, I'm working with, they're all going to be leaving for other countries anyway. So what am I doing? You know, if I do this, I don't know if mm, I can do this. And mm, if I did mm. this, how long could I do it before I tore my hair out and just ran out screaming? And so, and so I had this meeting with them and mm. they were, they were, very gracious and going, our expectation is not that you plant a church. Oh, sure. Yeah. That left me in a very uncomfortable position of going, like, what is this? Like, what do I do? And back then, a lot of my my work and a lot of the people I connected with still came from being strongly associated with doing church. And it's the very thing, the very position that I feel that you, you're in. And, and it was a very tough deconstruction from there. And some of our guests have also gone through similar deconstructions in relation to the mm, institutions of mm, church and mm. what comes next. And, and I think there's conversations to be held in future around that. But it's just very interesting in terms of the journey, you know, that on one hand, I, I can sympathize. Mm. And on the other hand, I can genuinely empathize with your journey and the frustrations that you're going through. For me, I just found I went from the frying pan to the fire, <laughs> from the fire to the coals. You know, in, in you know, <laughs> in terms of uncle deconstruction of of basically going. Mm. You know, when I thought I was through a process, I discovered that I was at the beginning of another process of deconstruction, and and in many ways, I feel like I'm on that because because the one mm. thing I, I I want to change is, is so so missiology for me was my big thing, and Christ has got this wonderful thing of. When you go to announce the kingdom, mm-hmm. don't take a spare cloak with you. Don't take your wallets. Don't take a spare pair of sandals, right? <laughs> Everything that I, I was taught in missiology is about how do you raise funds for the project that you're going to start. And you're going to start an mm-hmm. aid organization. It's going to be education. It's going to be poverty alleviation. Mm-hmm. These are two, two, mm-hmm. two big things. And on that basis, you're going to get people to come to church. So that's the machinery, right? 
and I, I feel like the challenge is, is is how do you how do you deconstruct that? Like what what does it mean to really help people engage God and grow in that? Yeah. Um, because yeah. in the past, what it has largely meant is, well, just get them into a church. Then your work is done, Tim. You know, your work is to get them to experience God. Yeah. Come to yeah. church, and and when they're a member of church, your work is done. We 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 t- we take it from you. Mm. And that just doesn't work for me because I I just don't see that as working for people. And so it's been tough for me to to almost reinvent that or creatively discover what it is. How, how do how do I assist people in engaging God and getting to know mm. God and mm. supporting that going onwards? And what does it look like without this institution? Mm. What does it look like individually? What does it look like in terms of a network of relationships? You know, because all the classic boxes of it are are ones that I feel like I've been deconstructing yeah. from. But it's always always raises the question of so what is the reconstruction to you know at least now I can mm. I, I can give people the handle of going you know I'm prepping for my PhD and I do this podcast <laughs> and it gives people handles because the whole thing yeah. of well I run small groups and I meet with people one on one and you know people don't have the language for that and what what I've noticed that's interesting about that is is they partly don't have language for that because this professional thing of ministry is not about that. You know, it's not easy to find the language to reinvent this kind of stuff because these boxes are so strong and because that paradigm of being church is so strong. I think that's for me why the curiosity is so important because we are discovering territory, I think, and we're discovering language. I, you know, I can see it in myself as I really battle to grasp for language to try and explain some of, you know, who I am and what I'm trying to do and who I'm trying to be is I'm casting around for the handles that are, I'm casting around for new handles, but the only ones I get my hands to are the old ones. And so I call myself a missionary. But that doesn't actually really describe me. I used that as a term, term for, for a while, and I thought about whether I should come back to it, you know, the notion of being an urban missionary, you know, or a, or a missionary to postmodern or post-secular people. Or... Well, exactly. It's so loaded. You know, it's so loaded towards, well, we know what that means. And I think, you know, that's what I battle with. Well, I'm looking for a term that you don't yet know what it means. I'm, I'm looking for something, for something different. I'm looking to invent new language uh, in, to some extent. And I think that's what it's going to take for some of this because, you know, inside the box is well detailed. And that's in some ways why we're comfortable there. Outside the box is unknown and wild and unfriendly and untamed. And so we have some language for it, but we don't have great language for it because it's not very well explored. And so we have to get out of the box. And, you know, we've talked earlier about kind of moving to the horizon and leaving the village and going off the mountain and all those kinds of analogies. We have to go up there and discover what fog is like and lightning and wind and exposure and cold and wild animals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, or, or there's a wonderful scene from Blackadder where uh, Lord Melchard gives Blackadder this piece of paper. He says, here is a uh, map of the territory that you're going into from the foremost cartographers of our land. They would be very grateful if you filled it in as you went along. <laughs> and it's exactly that. It's just, okay, well, we're trying to fill this in as we go along, which means it's hard to explain to people what are we trying to do.